0: All right, so um, we have been in a sermon series on developing an attitude of gratitude, and we do this uh, not under our own strength or power, but by yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit, so that's very important. I want to say at the outset that uh, anything we read in Scripture, any command in Scripture, anything that God calls us to do, He is not calling us to do it under our own strength. How many of you are thankful for that? Amen? Amen. Because I don't know about you, but I would be pretty, uh, well, I'd be screwed if that were the case. Yeah. So, uh, thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit with us, in us, working through us when we have submitted to Christ, and so I praise God for that. And this is uh, no different. Learning to have an attitude of gratitude, learning to give thanks and praise to our God is something that the Lord will develop in us as we mature in our faith. Amen? Amen. And so that's what we're going to look at a little bit today as we study Psalm 100. And before we jump into Psalm 100, I read a really interesting story this week. Uh, it's a true story. It happened in the late 1800s. And uh, it's a story of, uh, of two friends, best friends, um, a guy named Jim and his best friend Jack. Jim actually uh, saved Jack and took him into his home. This uh, story took place in South Africa, South Africa. Uh, so it was kind of like a, I think South Africa 1800s, not too developed, so it was a pretty depressed area. Jim, who uh, had a job at the local railway station, saved Jim, took him off the street, or saved Jack, took him off the street. Jack, of course, was extremely thankful for having been saved and basically served Jim and was with him and, and kind of grew up with him, lived with him. Unfortunately, shortly after Jim saved Jack... Jim got into a horrible accident at his job and lost both of his legs at the railway company. And typically this would be a death sentence because you can't work with no legs, Um, but the railway company actually found a job to give to Jim, which was as a signal man. Basically, you press some buttons and change some of the rails and you signal oncoming cars, To make sure that everything is on time and going in the proper direction, you need to work a telegraph because you're pretty much out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, The job that was open was 200 miles out in the middle of nowhere. Now, great, you have a job, but you're in the middle of nowhere with no legs. So what are you going to do? Well, Jack said, I'll go with you. And so Jack went along with Jim again because he was just so thankful for the fact that he had been saved by Jim. And Jack helped him out. Jack did everything with Jim because of that attitude of gratitude toward Jim that Jack had. So we we just celebrated Thanksgiving, and I love this story because of, you know, Jim saved Jack, Jack thankful for the salvation. There's a lot of kind of theme there. That we can relate to. And as we have been leading up to Thanksgiving, we've been studying different Psalms of thanks. And in fact, in Scripture, in all 150 Psalms, there's only one Psalm that is referred to as a Psalm of giving thanks. It's specifically to develop an attitude of gratitude within those who read it and sing it, and that's Psalm 100. And so, if we're going to learn to develop an attitude of gratitude, well then, by golly, (laughs) we better study and understand Psalm 100, right? So, that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. So, if you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 100, we're going to break this five-verse song down and understand it by the grace of God and and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us into truth as uh, I'm going to do right now as I pray. So, pray with me. Father, thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for Your Son, Jesus. We thank You for Your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that Your Spirit would fill us now, would lead us into truth, that our hearts and our minds be turned toward You. Lord, we pray for a deeper knowledge, love, understanding of You. I pray, Lord, that You would speak through me, that the words I speak would be Your words. Lord, I pray that I would decrease, that You would increase in this moment and that your glory and your power and your truth would go forth. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to read through Psalm 100, and you can see it on the screen behind me. Uh, Because it was Thanksgiving, I didn't have any time to make any slides, so sorry, guys. I'm I'm a failure. Uh, But we have Psalm 100, so we're going to read that. And uh, you don't have to stand, but let's read it all together. Let's do something a little bit different, huh? So, I will read and you read along with me. Ready? Verse 1, "'Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise.'" Give thanks to Him, bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Now, this psalm is pretty straightforward. We're going to break it down into three sections. Three sections that we're going to look at today. We're going to look at why we give thanks, how we give thanks, and look at the call to thanks in the psalm. And we're going to begin with, actually, the second one I mentioned, because I got them out of order. We're going to look at how we give thanks. How we give thanks. And we look at and see that in verses 1 and 2. It's laid out right there. Verses 1 and 2, how do we give thanks to God? What is the medium through which we give thanks? Well, there are three main ways that we give thanks to God. We express our thanks to God. Number one is making a joyful noise, shouting to the Lord, singing to the Lord. Number two is serving the Lord. And number three is spending time with the Lord. So, we have our S alliteration there, right? Singing to the Lord, serving the Lord, and spending time with the Lord, coming into His presence. Now, because this is a shorter sermon, we're not going to break these things down very far, but I think you guys probably understand what each of those things entail and I want us to see a couple of things. First of all, notice right away that all three of these things are to be done with joy and gladness. This is not a drudgery. This is not something that we do grudgingly. This is something that proceeds out of a heart that delights, that takes joy in worshiping our God in these ways, showing our thanks in these ways. But notice also that All three of these things, there's no order to them. All three of them are expected of the one who proclaims Christ. All three of these things are an expectation for the child of God. We can't pick and choose which ones we're going to do, and we can't ignore any of them. So, if you think you have an awful voice and don't like to sing, well, too bad, the Lord expects you to make a joyful noise. It doesn't have to be harmonious and in key. God knows that mine isn't, right? Anyone else with me on that? Yes? Yeah? Doesn't matter. Praise Him through song. And maybe you don't really like to serve. Well, I don't really need to say much about that. Maybe you don't like to spend time with Him. Even worse, right? All three of these things are expectations, they are necessities for the child of God who is seeking to give thanks to Him. Did you ever think of singing and serving and spending time as a a way of actually thanking Him, as a way of saying, Lord, thank you for what you have done for me? I mean, those are expressions of thanks, and actually in the Hebrew, If you look at the Hebrew word for giving thanks and the Hebrew word for praise, they're basically synonymous. They essentially mean the exact same thing. So, giving thanks to God is praising Him, is worshiping Him, is blessing Him, which we studied last week, right? And so, one cannot praise God without thanking God, and one cannot thank God without praising Him. They're intertwined. And if if you break it down, praise and worship, blessing our God, as we learned last week, it always and only proceeds from a heart that is genuinely thankful. Otherwise, it's just empty. There's no no merit to it. There's no heart behind it. And a thankful heart will only proceed from a humble heart. So, if you don't like to sing or if you don't like to serve, or if you don't like to spend time with God, or if you find yourself having trouble with those things, well, the root of that trouble is your pride, is my pride. And we have to acknowledge that and repent of that and ask the Lord to help remove that from us so that that stumbling block towards thanksgiving, towards praise can be removed. So, how many of you prideful people are with me on this and wanting to, yeah, there we go, right? This, is, this isn't something that we beat ourselves up over, but it's something that as the Holy Spirit shows that to us when you're standing there and we're singing and you're like, why am I not singing right now? Oh, it's because I'm a prideful jerk, huh, right? <laughs> That's what I have to say to myself. Why? Why? Because you think your voice doesn't sound good, because you don't like the song, because you're not really into it, pride, 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 Right? right? And any other example, I don't want to serve, oh, I just don't want to get up on Saturday morning and go rake leaves. Wow, I don't really want to. Okay, pride, pride, yeah, good, selfishness, pride, excel, right? We, we see these things. We don't, we don't beat up ourselves, but we let the Holy Spirit convict us and move us towards humility and thanksgiving and praise. And And so, this moves us then to why we give thanks. So, how we give thanks, primarily shouting to the Lord, singing, right, serving, spending time with Him. But why do we do that? Why do we give thanks to our God? Well, let's look at verses 3 and 5. Verses 3 and 5 give the answer as to why we give thanks to our God. And we're going to look at verse 3 first. And we see that giving thanks always starts with knowing, with, with a humble knowing. Now, there are many meanings and nuances to the Hebrew word for know, or yada, 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 yada. Have you heard that before? Yada, yada, yada. It's actually Hebrew. It means, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's, ah, okay, get on with it. I know, I know, I know. Yada, 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 right? At least that's how they say it in Yiddish. But, um, in this instance, yada, how it's pronounced in Hebrew, means to acknowledge or agree with, to to consent to, to confess something is true. So it's more than just knowing something is fact, it's actually confessing it as the truth that I have submitted to, the truth that guides how I live. This is not just fact, I don't just know this, but I have actually submitted to this and am guided by this. We understand the nuance there, the difference? It's it's stronger than just an intellectual knowledge. It's actually a heart knowledge that shapes you. And the psalmist says that we are to know a couple of things about our God. Two things in verse 3 that focus on what He has done. And we are to know and to submit to the fact that God is the creator of all things. It's a pretty big deal. Like on, on the scope of like big deal, one being like not a big deal and ten being a big deal, this is like a million, right? This is a big deal that our God is the creator of all things. And more than the fact that He's the creator of all things, He is also the giver of every good gift, Right? James 1.17, You all know it says, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of life. that's our God. That is our God. That's, that's a pretty big deal. But secondly. And insofar as it relates to us personally, maybe even a bigger deal than the fact that He's the Creator. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He was and is and forever shall be. Like, that's pretty awesome. That's our God. But did you also know, do you know, has it, does it shape you? Does it so cause your identity to move into it, the fact that our God is also our Redeemer? He's the Creator and He is the Redeemer. This, this language, we are His, we are the sheep of uh, His pasture. How does it go? Yeah. And the sheep of His pasture. That is redemption language. We know what Psalm 23 says, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, him, right? The, the shepherd, and then Jesus picks up on that same language in John chapter 10, read it. It's all about Jesus as the good shepherd. In fact, John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down His life for His sheep. That's, this is redemption language. So not only is God our Creator. But He is also our Redeemer when we submit to the Good Shepherd. When we put our faith and our trust and submit to Jesus Christ, we've been redeemed. We've been set free from the bondages of sin and death, right? We are now adopted into the family of God. Again, on the scale of like big deal, this is astronomically huge, that our God saves us, that our God sent His Son to die for us so that we might have life, we might serve Him and look forward to His return and His reign, right? This is, this is incredible, and it should cause us to be humble before Him, which then causes us to have thanks for Him, which then causes us to praise Him and worship Him. We see, we see how that progression works? If I am not in awe over the fact that my God is creator and redeemer, then then what I'm doing, I'm making those things on the big deal scale, not a big deal. And when they're not a big deal, well then, I start to get feeling pretty good about myself. A little prideful, right? And now I begin to elevate myself above God in my life. Maybe not consciously but certainly subconsciously at the heart level that's what happens and therefore I'm not filled with thanks and therefore I don't praise and worship him and I live selfishly for me and I elevate myself. There's only two ways it can go. But we don't also know and give thanks for what God has done, we also know and give thanks for who our God is, the qualities of our God. Look at verse 5, it gives us three qualities, the psalmist says, be thankful for these things. Our God is good, our God is steadfastly loving, and our God is is faithful. Can I get an amen for that? Right? How many of you are thankful that we have a good, loving God who is faithful? You ever stop and just think about that? We have a good, loving, faithful God. Praise God. Praise God that He is these things, that He's not like Some of these gods depicted in the movies, right, who are capricious and and a lot like us, right? Praise God that He is not like a man, as Scripture says, and yet He knows what it's like to be a man because of Christ. The problem is that so often, because we're not experiencing Him in in a... personal way, on a regular basis, it's so easy to forget the great, awesome, mighty nature of our God. You know, this week, um, I had the joy of losing water at my house for two days. It just stopped, right? I put in a a new um, hot water heater, and something went wrong with the plumbing, and it just, all water, done. Done. No running water, which is a pretty big deal, right? I mean, you can't cook, you can't take a shower, you can't go to the bathroom, really, because you can't flush the toilet, right? I praise God that I have parents that live close to us. Um, But you don't realize how big of a deal water is until you lose it. And in this country, we don't really ever have that problem, no running water, right? Right? at least not on a, on a regular basis for most of us. But you really are thankful for water once you get that water back. Thank you, Lord, for this water. Well, so often, that's what we do with God, isn't it? It's like, ah, yeah, I got God. Yay, God. Awesome. Let's see who's winning the game today, right? Uh, let's go and read my little book. Let's go and scroll through Facebook. Oh, look at that funny video, right? This psalm is calling us to a mindful thankfulness. Regardless of whether we have water or don't, we should be thankful for water. And that that leads us to the final part of this psalm on the call to give thanks. And that's verse four, where it says Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. See, so many of us are quick to go to God when we need something, but we should be even more quick to go to God with praises and worship and thanksgiving and blessing. But again, we so quickly fall into ruts and routines. I read this week um, a story from the United States Postal Service, and the United States Postal Service said that starting uh, in Thanks, day after Thanksgiving, um, they begin to get overloaded with mail for one person. Same name on the, all the time, right? You got to know who this is, right? Santa Claus. Letters for Santa Claus. Lots and lots and lots of letters. Hundreds of thousands of letters for Santa Claus. And they reported that it's amazing... What happens after December 25th? No more letters for Santa Claus. I mean, all of us are so quick to send our lists of what we want to Santa Claus. And one major distribution center in the Midwest, I think it was like in Illinois, reported that they received one letter for Santa Claus after Christmas that actually thanked him for the gifts that the child received. Doesn't that say something about our culture and maybe about our parenting? (laughs) Certainly my parenting. That's us a lot of times, isn't it? Right? We go to God and then the Lord gives us an answer one way or another and then it's just, oh yeah, I got water, yay, I'm going to go take a shower. Did I, did, I, did I thank Him? Did I, was I mindful of, like, did you see what God just did? And forget about the stuff that He's doing ongoingly in our lives. Remember who He is and what He has done ultimately. Like, praise God! This is what should be going on in our hearts. Uh, If you have your Bibles, and I hope you brought them, whether it's a paper Bible or in your phone, I want you to take your Bible out, and I want you to take your finger if you're going to highlight it, or your pen if you're going to write it, and there are seven words and phrases I want you to highlight in this psalm. In verse 1, I want you to underline the word make. In verse 2, I want you to underline the words serve and come into. This is in the ESV. In your translation, it might be a little different. In verse 3, I want you to underline the word, no. And in verse 4, I want you to underline the words, enter, give thanks, and bless. Every single one of those words is written in the imperative form, meaning they are commands. The psalmist is calling the people of God to worship Him, to move into a place of thanksgiving and gratitude and praise and blessing Him. We do not have the right, if we are true children of God, we've truly submitted to the awesome and mighty God of the universe, we do not have the right to stay silent. Do we understand that? Like, this is part of what it means. We We lose the gravity of what it means to say that My God is the one and only God. Because we don't live in a culture that worships little gods. I mean, everyone does worship a god, but like little idols. And so, understand when the psalmist wrote this, this there were competing idols all over the place, very visible. You got Molech and Baal and all these other ones, right? Asherah and all these different things, all these gods, And the people of God are commanded, are called to worship, to enter into the gates of the living God, the one true God. And that goes for us today still. There is an expectation that we will humble ourselves as the Spirit moves in us and shows us our true state before God, kills our pride, that we would have a heart of thankfulness that would overflow and erupt into a heart of praise and worship and thanksgiving. And that brings us back to Jim and Jack in South Africa in the late 1800s. So I said, Jim and Jack, they moved to the little shack on the side of the railroad, 200 miles away from anything, and Jack helped Jim every day. He pushed his wheelchair around, would take him out to the tracks and watch Jim do all the signals receive the, the messages and change everything, and pretty soon, what was supposed to be just a couple of weeks turned into a couple of months, and then a couple of years, where Jack just decided, where else am I going to go? I'm going to stay with my buddy Jim, the guy who saved me. Jack lived and served alongside of Jim, and... Eventually in time, Jack just started doing Jim's job for him, was never an employee of the rail company, just did his thing. And for nine years in that lonely shack on the rail line, Jim and Jack lived together and worked for the railroad until Jack sadly died from tuberculosis. And to everyone's amazement in all those years, there was never a single accident or even incident on that rail line that was overlooked by a man with no legs and his friend Jack. And oh, by the way, the most amazing part of this story is that Jack was a baboon. Jim saved him from poachers, and Jack, who he took out to set free, didn't want to leave his side, just stayed by Jim the whole time. (laughs) Pretty incredible that a baboon... This is a true story, you can read about it, was working the rail line, learned everything. Incredible. And we might think that a baboon and a man are significantly different, and we are, right? But the thing that struck me about this story was the undistracted devotion of Jack to Jim. No matter what, Jack wanted to stay by the side of Jim after he saved him. One might say that Jack had a childlike faith in Jim that caused him to want to serve him and spend time with him. And I'll bet if Jack could sing, he would have even sung songs of thanks and praise to Jim. And that's what we're called to do, except we're not baboons, we're sheep, right? And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, let's ask our Lord to kill our pride and develop within us an attitude of gratitude that remains undistracted by the world and undiluted by familiarity in time and continues to enter in to the gates of our God giving him thanks and praise amen amen, amen. let's pray